From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode number 70. Today's show is brought to you by Lynda.com and Squarespace. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Stephen Hackett. Hey. <laughs> Got me off guard there, Mike. Yeah, I usually... See, I know that. I usually go for Federico first. I don't know why, so I decided I would change it up today. But Federico's here, too. Hi, Federico. Oh, hey. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very well, indeed. This is our... Uh, this is our last episode before the holidays. Are you in a festive mood, Mike? Oh, very festive. If I had oh, yeah? bells to jingle, I would be jingling them right now. <laughs> okay, I'm I'm very happy to hear that, Mike. But I have no bells to jingle. No? <laughs> Not today. <laughs> That's too bad, Mike. It's, it's a real shame. It is a real shame. But yeah, we are in the festive mood. We're not going to be here next week, so you're going to have to listen to this show super slowly, so it will fill you across two weeks. You can you can put the show at zero one dot one x. It'll last you yep. until Christmas Day. Exactly. Or just listen to it in parts. You know, you get, right. ration it out. But I'm very excited for our episode in two weeks' time. Though we're gonna uh, bring back what we did last year, I think, which was a roundup of the year's tech stories. I like looking back and seeing how ridiculous it is, of how concerned we were about certain things. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Um. It's it's always fun to to realize just how crazy you can be so we're gonna be doing that in a couple of weeks that is yeah. a show that takes a ton of work right it's like yeah. go over everything in the last year as you yeah. were talking i was putting it into omnifocus to start preparation for that next week yep i have my yeah. i have my task already and you should add it to to do we haven't spoken about to do yet we should nah. we should talk about that at some point i still haven't read your magnum opus to it yeah the um I was finished with the to-do uh, review and I got started on my end of the year stuff which is always takes so much time and um but I'm almost done you know I don't want to spoil it I'm I got a little change this year wanted to kind of changing things up a little it's almost done I I I would love to send what I prepared before Christmas but I don't know if I have the time, so we'll see. I, I want to surprise my people. So the end of the year of stuff, it's always so, you know, complex. <laughs> Is the surprise because it's your favorite Mac apps? Is that the surprise? <laughs> yes. Federico Vitici returns to the Mac to get real <laughs> no. work done. No, the real surprise is, is uh, that I've watched Star Wars. <laughs> We're not talking about Star Wars on this show. <laughs> well, there's yeah. not much to talk about. It I might be the only show it. that we don't talk about, that anybody doesn't talk about Star Wars on in the next couple of weeks, but we're not doing it, so don't worry, everyone. No spoilers, no no even discussion of how we feel about the movie. That will have to come. So is it fair places. to say we're anti Star Wars? No, no. That is not oh, fair okay. to say. Okay, okay. Well, I'm I just tried. Gonna do, <laughs> I'm just going to start follow up right now. Follow-up. Turns out Mike was half right, or half of Mike was right. It's hard to say. Uh, but according to a survey, uh, half of Apple Watch users admit to having nose tapped, which means they probably more have and they just feel weird about it and didn't say anything to their friends. But uh, it's a thing, apparently. My claim was never that everyone in the world would do it. My claim well, was just that you can that people do it. And I am once again proven right in this scenario. Everybody said that I was wrong um, or said that I was crazy. But now look at what's happened. I mean, maybe they, they asked two people and I was one of those people, but I think it may <laughs> have been you, a few more than that. Were you on a, on a survey, Mike? I was not on a survey, no. Mm. Neither did I know that this survey was existed and I had no hand in it. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this was done by a company named Ristly, which apparently what they do is insight into wearables. So that's an interesting business. But mm-hmm. um, actually, no, just Apple Watch. The independent voice of Apple Watch is what their website says. So nice. take that with a grain of salt that they're just looking at this. But uh, it seems that people do it. And um, I mean, it's cool that Mike was right, had one little burst of activity right here at the end of the year. Yep. Um, As we transition to the year of Frederica. Which has right. been has been going on quite strongly on Twitter under the hashtag Year of Tichi. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find already a few pictures of people, listeners, and uh, Macsaris readers trying to use their iPads as a as a work setup. And there's a few article articles in there. So if you're planning on switching to the iPad for for the next year as part of your New Year's resolutions, make sure to tweet at us. Uh, with the with the hashtag uh, year of Tichi, um, you know, and we'll we'll make sure to have a little roundup maybe in the future. We'll have special mentions, and in general, you'll just be an awesome person if you do so. So let's let's prove the next year we can properly succeed, Michael, uh, in a in a very awesome fashion. Moving on, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So so moving on is an example, uh, perhaps of. Uh, Tichi was right. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, I ended up finally getting my iPad Pro thoughts together. I uh, published this earlier this week. And um, I guess the TLDR of my review is that it is, like for me, the iPad Pro is the first, marks the first time that I can feel like I can actually do uh, part of my work on a tablet. And, you know, we've talked a lot about that over the years and it's, there's still problems with it. I go into some of those. There's still things that um, I can only do on the Mac, and 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 all of this is colored by the fact that I prefer the Mac. But it, it is interesting, and I think the iPad Pro is sort of this like um, fork in the road or like line in the sand is is the phrase I used. That it is sort of a tipping point into the tablets being more approachable for different types of work and I, I find that really interesting and I, I really feel the more and more I think about it that this is uh, one of those points that we're going to look back at and say hey you know this was this was a real inflection point uh, at least for some people and um, so as you can get rid of it it's up it's up on 512 um, yeah there you go every day I edge closer and closer to just doing more and more stuff on my iPad like I'm even getting that call of like Things that I would do on the Mac or that I think are easier on the Mac. And I think to myself, but how could I make it easier on the iPad? And, and I, every day I feel like I'm getting just closer and closer to doing more and more and more stuff on it. I really do a lot of work on it now that I wouldn't have done before. I'm sitting at, down at my iMac less and less in the day. Hmm. Man, look at you too. I'm I so know. happy. <laughs> I know, you're rubbing off on us. Yeah. yeah on and, that and thought, for me... Well, as I was gonna say real quick, for for me that that's definitely true in the the like the writing part of my job. Um still a lot of what I do, even for relay on the business side, I am still much faster and prefer the Mac. But it's what it what the difference for me is right now is that I feel like I have options for the first time that I don't have to be on my Mac for a lot of stuff and I feel like I had to in the past and that's been really freeing like i wrote this review um an article that i just wrote for imore just went up this morning i wrote on the ipad like being able to break away and and move away from my desk and go work somewhere else without taking my heavy macbook pro is nice so 
going on from this, people will remember from last week's episode uh, that Tony was bringing a smart keyboard to me. Um, Tony actually arrived during the episode uh, when I picked up my smart keyboard. So I've had it for a week now, and it's been attached to my iPad constantly. Like I use it as my stand now as well because it does a good job of standing the iPad up in like the vertical position that I like. You know, when the, the so the iPad is in landscape mode, but it's like up in the air, right? I don't even know what you'd call that. The way that you watch TV on it, right? So mm-hmm. you stand it up. So it does that, which is great. I'm happy that it does that. Um, and I I like it. I like it quite a lot. The keys are fine for me. Like I I can see why people that write like thousands of words a week wouldn't want to use this keyboard. Um, I can see why that would be the case. I don't think that's definitely the case, but I can see why people wouldn't want to do that because it feels different. But I like it feels so different. It's kind of weird. Like it's it for me has the pleasure of typing on the iPad but more so. Like cuz I you know, when I'm if 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 I've ever typed on the iPad, there's something that's different that I quite like about just like hitting the glass. Like it just has a different kind of feeling to it. It's like ah, look at me go. Like ah, that's the sound that I make when I type on the iPad. Um and the the smart keyboard is nicer. I don't know. It's got like this kind of like slapping sound i don't know i quite like it um i can live with the us layout because i'm getting used to using the ipad pro with the key sizes all being like that so what am i going to do like i can get get used to it um it you know i'm not saying anything that nobody else has said really i mean i think it is a shame that there are no like specific ios keys for anything um that it's effectively a mac keyboard attached to an ipad uh and and i think that some of the shortcuts are a bit like ham-fisted, like command shift H to go home. It's like, all right, it's there, but that's dumb. Like, that's just dumb. Um, uh, there should be a button that takes me home. I don't know why the caps lock key is there. I keep hitting it accidentally and typing everything in caps. It doesn't have the <laughs> same action that the Mac keyboard has. Like, if you just accidentally tap it, it turns caps lock on. Like, what I love on the Mac is you have to hold it, right, to activate it. But that's not the case with the smart keyboard. So, very frequently, I'm typing things in all caps now when I don't mean to. And I have had some issues that are widely reported that sometimes... Sometimes the keyboard doesn't work. But more strangely, the keyboard works, but the shortcuts don't work. So like command shift H stops working, command space the spotlight stops working, the command tab stops working, but I can still type with it. Have you seen that, Federico? Yeah, yeah, same. Especially with the with the home screen shortcut. Yeah. Why just that? Like that's what doesn't I make any know. sense to me. The rest of the keyboard works, but the the shortcuts don't. Half of the time it doesn't work for some reason. I have no idea. Sometimes if I disconnect the keyboard and reconnect it, it works. Or but sometimes I have to reboot my iPad. Now the the worst part is when um the 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 software keyboard somehow gets stuck. Yep. So you can still see the software keyboard even when the hardware keyboard is connected. So you gotta unplug from the smart connector and then gotta replug again. It's, it's weird bugs. Something you know? else I, I also don't like. Um, it enables the US software keyboard in my keyboard switcher, even if I turn it off. So I turn it off. I just have UK and emoji. But then when I connect the smart keyboard, it brings the US US one back again. There's nothing I could do to get rid of it. So I have now three keyboards that I switch between on software. A lot of complaining, but I like it. I do really like it. It works for me. It's a nice thing to just have a keyboard there all the time. Um, yeah, and does, it, that, does that add a lot of bulk to it uh, when you're carrying it around like in sort of like case configuration? Not so much that it bothers me. I mean, the iPad Pro is already so big and ungainly and wieldy. 
adding mm-hmm. like just it's basically like one and a half smart covers it's not an issue because it's already so huge um yeah. and uh, you know and it's already heavy so it's not like super heavy but like you know it's already heavier than another ipad it's, it's already heavier and bigger than you would maybe like it to be right but right. so adding the smart keyboard for me doesn't really add too much of a yeah. bother even even the regular smart cover is heavier yeah. than I expected it to be. Just because it's big, right? It's, it's just it's big. Big and get big chunks of metal in it and it's um I I used to always like on my on my Air Two and when I had a mini, I'd always keep the smart cover on, even just like using it around the house and uh and I've really gotten to a point where if I'm gonna use the iPad, I'll just take the smart cover off and just carry the iPad around the house and then kind of only use the smart cover if I'm putting it in my bag or taking it somewhere. Which is probably going to end poorly at some point for me, but it's just it really is uh, heavier and and sort of bulkier than I than I like honestly. For me, an iPad isn't an iPad without a smart cover. Yeah, there is that aspect to it for sure. I mean, they've been around since what the iPad two was. The first. Yeah. I remember when they uh, remember that video they had and like they had this cool animation on their website. You could drag the cursor uh-huh. and like unfold. It was like the it was awesome. Like un- it would unfold and unfold, and, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah, it, it was, was super nice. cool. But, you know, the idea of the case, closing and opening the case, locking and unlocking the iPad is like, that's yeah. what an iPad is to me. Like, that is it. It's all that thing together. Remember that time Evernote made an app based around that? Yeah, what was that? It was like some sort of like flip- educational app? Yeah, it was, like, it was like you could make flip cards or like helped you study or something. I don't know. Yeah. I'm sure they've sunsetted it, but... Yeah, I'm sure that they have sunset everything. But yeah, I do like it though. I do like. I like the keyboard's always there. I like that it's part of the smart cover. Um, you know, like it's all integrated and it's just there whenever I need it. I can just flip it out, type out an email, flip it back again. It's nice. I, I like it. Uh, you know, because I don't have to think about it. I don't have to take the stand and the keyboard with me somewhere. It's just all integrated. Federico, are you still using the smart keyboard? Yeah. And do you like it as much as I do? I mean, well, I have uh, problems with it, but do you overall? I do really like it. I like it and. If I had to use a physical keyboard regularly, I would probably go with the smart keyboard. Uh, my opinion hasn't changed since my review. It's just that I I just prefer to write with a software keyboard. You know, okay. uh, my to do review was all done with the software one. Uh, this new article that I'm preparing for the end of the year, all done with the software keyboard. I'm just too used to yeah. typing on glass. You know, at this point, doesn't that does not surprise me because you did it for so long. I still haven't gotten used to the layout of the iPad Pro's keyboard. I'm still switching. Yeah, when I say I've gotten used to it, I still have issues, but yeah. like I'm more used to it now than I was when I started, but it still does drive me a little crazy, no. especially because I do use a regular keyboard frequently as well. So I am probably more than you even switching between layouts. Yeah, uh, for some reason I'm still... Uh, accidentally switching between the Italian and the American keyboard. I'm still mistyping, you know, especially um, like special characters like quotes and apostrophes, that kind of stuff. I'm still not perfect with the software keyboard. But I think I'm doing better than last month when the when the Pro came out. So it'll, I'll probably be fine in a few months. I just wish that Apple, you know, kind of had better... Uh, integration with the with the hardware keyboard throughout iOS. I feel like with deeper integration, I would probably use the smart keyboard more. Yeah, you know, especially because I spend most of my time home. You know, when I'm at my desk or in the kitchen, uh, I can use a uh, physical keyboard. 
when I'm around, I, I want to use the, the, the software one, of course. So we'll see. We'll see how it changes. Um, last thing I want to mention, kind of in follow-up today, Apple TV style, uh, the BBC iPlayer is now on the Apple TV. Um, but the interesting thing about it is that it just appeared. Like I didn't install it, but it's on my Apple TV, which feels more old Apple TV, right? That was what they did with the old one. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting that that is like a third-party app that somehow was chosen to go on and others haven't. Like, why is BBC so important that they just get pushed onto the Apple TV? But it is a great app and, you know, everyone in the UK wants it because it's, you know, good television that's free for us. Um, but it's just interesting that it found its way kind of on its own. I'm not using my Apple TV at all. <laughs> I'm using it more because I actually hooked it up to my TV, like my real TV downstairs in the <laughs> living room. And I'm finding myself using it more. I'm watching more on it. So that is an interesting thing that has occurred hmm. to me. Um, I really wish there was an Amazon app because we're watching um, The Man in the High Castle. Mm-hmm. And there's hmm. no way for me to watch it on the TV. So we're just bringing the iPad back downstairs again you and can, watching it on You that. know you can AirPlay from the Amazon Prime app on the iPad. I can't find how you do that. I'm sure that you can, but I'm not sure how to do it. Am I being dumb? You just do it through Control Center. That's where I've been missing it. I was looking in the UI of the application for an AirPlay button. Nope. No, they use the Control Center one. And it, it works pretty well. That's how we've been watching it. And uh, I just set the iPad... Uh, like on the, we have a table at the end of the couch and to sit there and watch it. And um, I, I will say the, our Apple TV, the old one was, like I said before, definitely the center of our like entertainment center. And it has definitely only become more so, uh, more so now. A, a lot of what we use it for during the day is just to play music. And we used to generally switch over. There's a Mac mini uh, hooked up to the television as well. And we would switch to that and use iTunes on the Mac and, the the new Apple TV is so much faster than than doing that. You know, it used to be with, through home sharing that was really like janky on the old one, and sometimes it just drop its connection to your uh, other home sharing device or account sharing devices for like no reason, and that's much better now. And so it really is like it's the default input on the TV, and we rarely move away from it these days. Yeah, I'm I'm warming to it more and more, and it's good to know about the AirPlay thing. I've never used AirPlay, which is why I, I didn't even know it was in the Control Center. It just doesn't pay. I don't pay any attention to it because I've never I've never once used it. So now I know that's there, then we can at least watch the show that we're watching on it as well. Um, it's a t- top tip from uh, connected to you. There you go. Thank you so much for that for that hot hack it tip. This week's episode is brought to you by lynda.com, the online learning platform of over 3,000 on-demand video courses that are there to help you strengthen your business technology and creative skills. You can get yourself a free 10-day trial by visiting lynda.com slash connected. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash connected. Lynda.com is there to help you learn things that you may have been interested in. So maybe something that you're curious in, or maybe you have a job that you do or a hobby that you have, and you want to get better in a certain aspect of it, and you're not sure where to start. This is the type of stuff that Lynda.com can help you with. They have video courses that are taught by people who are extremely well-versed 
in the topics that they're teaching. They're super passionate about it too, and you can see that in the quality of the videos that they produce. You can stream any of their thousands of video courses on demand. You can learn at your own schedule and at your own pace. You can learn on the go with their Android and iOS devices. You can watch and download courses to them. And you can also follow along the course transcripts that are in, you know, watch it in the web browser, and you can see, depending on the type of learner that you are, maybe you like to read along, or maybe you just like to read and reference things later on. You can do that with their great, great transcripts. They have courses on all types of stuff. They have courses on software and hardware, you know, so you can maybe learn how to use a photo editing application. Maybe you want to learn Photoshop or something like that. But you can also learn the hardware section, like how do you light a good portrait? You can learn that sort of stuff on lynda.com as well. They have great design courses that can teach you things like how to use Illustrator, um, but they can also teach you how to use color in your work and the importance that that can have. Then they also have things like masterclasses from designers. So a guy that I really love, Aaron Draplin, who does a lot of the field notes design work, did an incredible course. It's about 45 minutes long. Just going through how he creates a logo and you just get to see his process and it's really, really fascinating. Like lynda.com has training stuff, but they also have stuff that's just kind of entertaining. There are some documentaries on there, like the Helvetica documentary is on lynda.com. There's just so much stuff. It is such a fantastic wealth of information. And the best way for you to try and understand what it's all about is to take advantage of the free 10-day trial that we can give you. You, With your lynda.com membership, if you decide to sign up, you will get unlimited access to training on any of these hundreds of topics for one flat rate. Whether you're looking to become an industry expert, you're passionate about a hobby, or you're just looking to learn something new, go ahead and visit lynda.com connected sign up for your free 10-day trial and check it out today thank you so much lynda.com for the continued support of connected and relay fm all right so this is kind of like extended follow-up i guess um steven do you want to take this away yeah so we spoke uh last week about dropbox and the sunsetting of mailbox and carousel their previous email and like photo management solution type uh Mm -hmm. Products, and we got some feedback on that um, from uh, someone who uh, is. Is it safe to say that we have our own tipster now? Yeah, very specific, <laughs> very specific tipster, uh, a friend of the show, and um, they had some a couple things to say that I thought were interesting that I wanted to talk about with the two of you guys. Um, first, about Carousel, um, and it seems kind of two things about Carousel that I think are worth are worth talking about. One is that uh, photos were or slash are the most often stored data type in Dropbox, that more people um, are storing more photos than anything else in Dropbox, which which mm. I think makes a lot of sense. You know, we have all used it, some of us still do, uh, for our photo storage. And I think it makes a lot of sense, right? You get a backup in the cloud, you can stick it to another computer. Um, and I think Carousel was sort of a response to that of like, hey, people are already storing photos on Dropbox that's, that surface them and make them more interesting and better and easier to use. And second, that Carousel actually had a big server-side component. Um, if you guys remember, you would, um, if, when, once you uploaded your photos to Dropbox, Carousel would see them. You could scroll through them really quickly. It did really fast thumbnailing. It did this really nice uh, date scrubber thing, like a lot of kind of stuff that sat on top of what the normal Dropbox app would do. It turned your photos from like a bunch of directories into something sort of more living and breathing. And that apparently required a lot of infrastructure, which really makes the our, our idea, our comments about like, well, why not spin it off? Why not sell it? Um, much more difficult because apparently that was really integrated into like the rest of what Dropbox does. Um, and I thought that was interesting. Like I, I, if 
if this is true that the carousel was a sort of response to people really storing a bunch of photos on Dropbox and Dropbox realizing that and wanting to make that better, then like I like that thought process on the part of Dropbox that they they saw what people were doing with their service and and tried to make it better. Well, what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I can understand that like if I was the person in charge and I had that data point, like the most often stored file in our system is photos. It like makes you a de facto photo management service. So giving people tools to look after that stuff better is probably a smart thing to do. But that does kind of beg the question of if that is the case, then why is Carousel still not around? Like, because I assume it's still the same, right? And I guess it was just because for whatever reason, I assumed that Carousel just wasn't compelling to people. Um, like, I know it wasn't really compelling to to us, uh, because it didn't really have the features and maybe they just struggled to get it off the ground. But like you can see why it began that way, but obviously that changed. Yeah, and and uh, you know, I'd imagine too that that sort of infrastructure thing had uh, a real staffing cost and Carousel was free to use if you had a Dropbox account as far as I remember. So I think that that is part of it as well that like it's great for a value add, but if you don't ever recoup those costs, then uh, maybe it didn't make sense from that perspective. And, you know, as we've talked about, Dropbox is growing. They're a big company and they are making this shift towards supporting businesses and enterprise, which I think is the right decision for their business. And maybe this just got kind of caught in the crossfire there those in that decision making. Yeah, I suppose so. So the other the other bit is sort of more about, about Mailbox and sort of the overall picture. You're talking that talking about Dropbox moving towards business, moving towards enterprise, moving towards collaboration, which is really the message there. And that Dropbox for business, especially, I don't know if you guys, I've, I have used it in the past with at a client, they automated their team or whatever. And um, Dropbox for business is really nice and it gives you a lot of powerful tools for like collaborating files. Like the, what we do at Relay, you know, we have a bunch of shared Dropbox folders running around to sync MP3s around. And, and it's fine and it works, but it's sort of like, scattered and fragmented dropbox for business gives you a central place for that simple simple way to manage it all and that and paper which is uh dropbox if you if you haven't used it before it's sort of like google docs like it's trying to get there where collaborative document editing and and um, you can leave comments on documents and that sort of thing or about collaboration and people working together as a team and mailbox and carousel didn't really fit into that. I would argue that Mailbox could have, um, but they they didn't they didn't get it there. Yeah, it would um, have changed. It would have meant a different change. It would have meant a vision change for what Mailbox was. But email right. is still an important part of collaboration. I mean, we've got to talk about Slack a little bit later on. That's a different story. But I think that you could make the argument that if you wanted it to be Mailbox, could have been could have fit in this vision. Right, it would have it would have meant changing mailbox, which I suppose they didn't want to do. Right, because I think we touched I think we touched on this in the show that there was this idea for a minute that Dropbox was going to become a solution like Exchange or Google Apps or even iCloud, where it's like okay, they have this email client, they could have a service, all your documents are here, like, and that's not the decision that they've made. And again, I don't disagree with that decision, but it meant that certain things had to apparently go by the wayside and um you know it is sad i mean mailbox you know had like 15 or 20 employees carousel was bigger um clearly like people got caught up in this and and that's always like hard to see um 
and I hope that a lot of these people are still within Dropbox or have landed on their feet elsewhere. Um, but it's, I think, kind of the bottom line here is like as 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 good as these services were, and and I, I did like Carousel, I did use it, but you know, it didn't radically change my workflow when it went away. Um, I think mailboxes had a bigger workflow impact than than Carousel did. If like I and I said this last time, if this means that Dropbox can be better at their core business of like syncing files and making it easier to work with people I work with, then like that's like I'm okay with that. Um, I think, and that seems to be what we've been told is like the the driving thing here is that we want to be better at these core things and. Mailbox and Carousel were sort of um, side things that were taking too much attention or too much money or whatever, and I think I think that's interesting to think about, right? In, in any business, that if you um, like this this tension, and I feel it um, even in what I do, like um, you know, I could go out and and do more writing, I could do these other things, but like the core of what I do is 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 relay and a little bit of writing, and so I can focus on that stuff. And I can get better at it, and I can be more successful at it, and we can grow our business. Um, and you always have to weigh that against, like, well, is this like a side thing that's distracting, or is this thing going to become like a big, powerful component of our business and help stabilize the business and help diversify it? Right. And there's always that tension. And Carousel and Mailbox did that from the product perspective. That okay, Dropbox is now just not a really smart folder. In my on my computer that syncs stuff that is where I deal with my photos and where I deal with my email, and it seems that that the answer for them was well those are distractions those are side projects that aren't diversifying the business they're brought, they're not bringing in extra income they're not bringing new people to our platform and so they need to be cut and I think any business has to make that decision of is this a side project that is like it's cool and it's neat and people like it versus all that stuff, and it is making our business itself better and stronger. And uh, I think Carousel and Mailboxes fell on the wrong side of that. Yeah. I mean, I understand it and I appreciate it. Um, but I guess the reason that Mailbox and Carousel existed was because Dropbox had a vision for what their company was going to be, and now the vision's changed. The vision could change again. This is the problem with any big company, though, right? Yeah. Like, look at Google. Google do this all the time. Yep. Yeah, I mean, and and you know, there's always that tension of like all of our stuff is on these servers from all these companies. They could change. I mean, forget changing the product or moving the product. They could just change a policy you don't agree yep. with, and then you're moving your stuff around. The mailbox thing has really, um, it's really changed my view on services and how I use them, because. Mailbox going away has made a significant impact on the way that I work. So it's making me think more about the services that I use and what I put into them because I end up in a scenario where I'm out in the weeds. It's basically the feeling that you went through with editorial, Federica. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, I'm so dependent on this. If it breaks or goes away, I'm kind of screwed, which is why I'm very carefully trying to pick what I what I go to next. Currently, I'm using Outlook on iOS because it's universal. Um, I've already burned Mail.app to the ground uh, yeah. because I hate it so much. I tried using it, and I had this problem where I would be using the swipe gestures to archive mail, 
and male would get stuck halfway through the gesture and would become completely unresponsive until I force quitted it. It's fine. Yeah, it's, it's like fine. it's all right. I use I use a third party magic trackpad, so I understand why it wouldn't work. Nope. Um, so mail.app is gone, and I'm using Airmail, but I don't like Airmail. Like I actually don't really like any Mac mail app right now. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of where I am. I'm using Outlook. I I did want to mention because a ton of people brought it up. Uh, Sanebox, like I've mm-hmm. that's probably yeah. the one that I've heard from the most. Because Sanebox has a snoozing functionality, and obviously it sits on the server side, so it will work with any app. I haven't really looked into this yet, um, because I know that Sanebox does a lot of other stuff that I don't know if I want, uh, like where it tries to determine important email. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I know it has the snoozing stuff, and I'll check it out, but I just haven't yet, because right now I'm trying to just fundamentally understand what email looks like for me now again, and then I might start adding some other stuff on later. But, you know, like right now I'm understanding, trying to understand how I can use labels and stuff like that more effectively in folders. Because I need to go back to basics and understand what my email system is because can't can't trust anybody. About Dropbox, and you mentioned, Mike, that, you know, the, the situation with Mailbox, and it reminded you of my problem with editorial. I was actually thinking about what if, you know, Dropbox goes badly, you know, stops working or goes away or drops the API. I know they're making changes already to an API they introduced two years ago, and now some developers are kind of upset. So what if, you know, developers stop supporting Dropbox? And here I'm just trying to imagine the worst case scenario. But, you know, the apps that I use the most, they all use Dropbox syncing. Uh, one password, uh, one writer, editorial, yep. you know, all of these apps with Dropbox Sync, which is so, I mean, I, I wouldn't be able to live without it. I don't want to use iCloud Sync because, you know, I don't want to use a service that doesn't let me restore versions on an iPhone or iPad. Yeah, Dropbox then, is just flat out better for that. Exactly. And I don't want to use a service that doesn't, doesn't let me easily share links, you know, all these other basic features that Dropbox nails. So why... I mean, if I were a developer, I would probably start looking into, you know, alternatives such as Google Drive syncing, OneDrive syncing. Uh, I know they have APIs. They're probably not as popular right now as Dropbox is with the third-party developer community. And I don't want to, you know, alert people for any reason, but I would just start considering other options because it's always good to have a backup plan, you know? And and the other part, uh, I'm looking at paper. So I was trying Dropbox Paper again, and it's really nice, all right? It's, it's nice, it's polished. I just, uh, I just struggle to understand how it's not a fancier Google Docs. And I know it does a bunch of things that Google Docs can't do. The embeds are nicer, the code highlights are nicer. It does one thing that I really like. You can integrate it with your Google Calendar, and when you open a new paper document, looks at the google calendar and names it by the meeting that's okay awesome that's nice but it just feels to me like it's one of the and forgive me if this is gonna sound you know not nice it sounds like one of those san francisco startupy products <laughs> you know what i mean like one of those things that you find in, in a circle of entrepreneurs in the valley why I want to understand what it is that makes you feel that way. 
I don't know what it is, but there's something about it, like something about the features. Like, who, what kind of normal person wants to have syntax code highlighting in a in a shared document if you're not a web developer or a developer? Well, I mean, but maybe they're building it for developers, like that, you know, as well as everybody else. So it's one of those startup products for developers. Sure well, I mean, they are a startup in San Francisco, so... <laughs> you know, I just... And I, and I have, you know, lots of respect for Dropbox. I love Dropbox, don't get me wrong. It's just... It feels like one of those other attempts. Well, basically, you know? this, I think this just goes back to what I was saying last week about the sunsetting thing. They are a big company. And I think that I know I did. I had a different impression of them than what they are. And, you know, I was thinking about them still as this like scrappy little startup that they were a few years ago, but they're huge now and they do these things. And it just means that we now have to think about Dropbox the same way that we think about Google and Apple, right? How much do you want to give them? You can give them whatever you want, depending on the trade-offs that you want to give. But you also need to understand that at any moment they could stop supporting the thing that you love because they're a company that has its own decisions that it wants to make because of the way the business runs, not just because it makes you happy. Yeah. I think that's just what I've taken away from this. And I'm going to continue using Dropbox for everything I use Dropbox oh, for. Yeah. Yeah. If they said to me now that Mailbox is coming back, tomorrow i'd probably go back to it again right like because (laughs) you know come on (laughs) i know it's still too soon man like you bring it back i'm going back i still need a little bit more time to understand the life away from mailbox but that you know i don't know man it's you just got to think about them differently anyway in in talking about uh big companies disappoint us google docs has it been updated for ios 9 no no (laughs) no but they have done an update which is you know so every time google has an update for google docs now it's really frustrating because they're updating things they're adding different functionality they're fixing different bugs but this time it was doubly frustrating because they've added something which is really annoying (laughs) so now do Google Docs for iOS, what used to happen is you'd open your document, you'd tap where you wanted to type, it would put the, the like the insertion point, you start typing. But now that doesn't work anymore. It like opens it in a kind of preview mode, always. And you have to tap this button on the bottom right corner to open it into editing mode to start editing. So every single time I'm opening it, I'm tapping the document and nothing happens. And it's driving me mad. I don't know why they've done this. Yeah, well, uh, every week we keep on checking on Google's uh, <laughs> progress, if we want to call that, uh, on iOS 9 support. And so, you know, we are as sad as any previous week. Uh, yep. Still no multitasking for... Uh, we keep on being sad. And, it's like uh, they don't even understand how happy they would make me. Right? My my under my understanding is they have such a massive uh, code base that they need to update everything to take advantage of iOS nine and you know code legacy uh, support for you know old workarounds that they did in their code to work on multiple platforms and now they got to switch to a new you know to a new OS and it's taking them so long probably because they're so behind and i just i just don't understand mike uh probably because i don't work on a, one of these you know i'm not Im- imbued in this uh san francisco culture i don't understand how developers there uh prioritize you know projects like this uh, 
eventually we will probably get iOS 9 support. I would say at this point, you know, with the iTunes Connect shutdown, maybe next year at this point. So let's hope that, you know, 2016 brings us multitasking for Google Docs. Yep. That's my only wish. Well, actually not the only wish, but one of one of the, the first wishes. We'll see. Please, Google. Please. Uh, Apple had an executive shakeup um, yesterday. Uh, Stephen, do you want to talk us through some of the changes? Yeah, so the the changes sort of break down uh, into two tiers. Uh, Sort of at the higher end, Jeff Williams has been named Chief Operating Officer. Uh, Williams was more or less Cook's kind of right-hand man when Cook held the title. And my understanding is Jeff Williams has basically been COO for a while now. Yeah, they've operated without a COO since Cook took over, right? Right. It's been Um, a vacant position. He's yeah, but Williams has kind of been filling those shoes. Williams also overseeing the Apple Watch project, and he's now COO, which I think is is well earned. Uh, I like that guy. I like he's, Jeff Williams too. I think he's done a good job. Uh, you know, he did a lot of press stuff with the watch, and of course, did some of the keynotes. Like he's a good presence on stage and a good face for Apple. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Phil Schiller, who is remaining worldwide. Vice uh, SVP of Worldwide Marketing is now in charge of the App Store across all platforms, so iOS, OS X, tvOS. Um, cr- previously, those were like sort of under Q, uh, underneath the iTunes Store, but also sort of under Shiller. They're all under Shiller now completely, which I think is good. Um, and I think that's the most important move here. I think I think the one we're going to talk about, uh, but a couple others. Um, uh, there's a new uh, vice president of marketing communications, uh, Tor Myron, Marhin, um, who is from the outside but joining Apple. And then uh, there's also a new vice president of hardware technology, uh, Johnny Sarahi. And uh, so, yeah, moves all over the place. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm just going to blast right through those names mm-hmm. good work uh, i would say before we get into the shiller stuff we we're talking about this sort of privately last night um there's still a big diversity problem if you go to apple's yeah. leadership page it's bad. um they need like they just they they have to address this um you know for a long time it was just like white dudes like as far as you could see and um there are a few changes there um there's two ladies um, uh, yeah, three. Well, sorry, there's three ladies, three. Uh, and there's maybe I think there's like two people of color. Yep, that's it. Um, and and that's you know something that Tim Cook talks about. He talks about diversity a lot, and uh, uh, which I'm glad for, and I would like to see them more do more in that regard. Right now, that that PR bios page is uh, pretty uh, pretty similar all the way down. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyways, so so there's that, and that's something that I, I want us to keep an eye on in 2016. Um, but I think for today, the what we want to talk about is um, is Phil Schiller and uh, Gruber had this really interesting little tidbit um, uh, about about Schiller, and, and basically Gruber says that it was Schiller's idea. He like personally advocated for the creation of the Mac App Store, and that Steve Jobs had to be kind of talked into it. Who th- Jobs apparently thought that the system beforehand, which was like go out on the internet or go buy a CD and go install stuff, was fine. Um, 
And so Gruber, and, and I agree that Schiller has a personal interest in seeing the Mac App Store succeed. You know, if you look at Apple executives and what they talk about, Schiller very often is painted as like the the guy who is sort of the the spokesperson for the Mac. Like that's what he you know he did that big interview with Mashable a while back about the MacBook and uh, if they're if they're ever announcing a new Mac hardware, he's the one to do it and. Um, he he seems like that's sort of his his project that he likes to talk about. And I think that's true. I don't think that's just something they do on stage. And uh, I think, you know, I think Schiller's done a good job for the most part across the various parts of the company that he's responsible for. And so if him being in charge of the app store, I think is is a good thing. I think maybe it's just no matter who it is, I guess it's good that, they're bringing it under one person. I mean, because the App Store seemed to have gone against a lot of what Apple did a couple of years ago about the consolidation of teams. It was mm-hmm. still a division that was split across two different leads. So yeah. you had the editorial and then the technical part of it. And it seemed like that was kind of broken up in a way that hasn't helped them. Because we've seen so many stuff and so many things in the past of like technical teams and like love apps and the editorial teams get them rejected or vice versa uh and i guess it's good to see that no matter what it was even if those teams were working together if you have a leadership decision that needs to be made ending up having to decide who of the two leaders is going to make that decision will add time and friction to something like that so having one person who makes all of the decisions now will either what it will do is solidify it whether it will help or hinder whatever we want is a completely different story but what I do expect is a clearer vision for the way the, all of the app stores will work together. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to get trials, right? It doesn't mean right. that. It doesn't mean we're going to get what we want specifically or what developers want or what anybody wants. But what I would expect to see is a more consistent approach across all the app stores. I agree. And I think, too, before we move on from your point, um, I think there probably have been things that like who makes a decision, but when you're when you're divided, things just fall through the cracks. Mm-hmm. And like you have to think I mean, it's hard not to think that this is a response to the recent stuff with the Mac App Store and I don't know. I feel like that the these decisions weren't made like two weeks ago. I mean I don't I don't think they were made two weeks ago, but I think that maybe this um I think maybe this would not have been announced publicly otherwise. Like, why, why throw this into a press release about a new hire and two promotions? Like that, it seems like the oddball out in the in the announcement. And I think they're they're making it public because people like Schiller and there's some frustration in the community about it. But um, either way, I mean, either way, I think it's I think it's a a good choice. And um, and I agree with you. You know, this is this is not a we're not going to uh, come back after the the break and everything be better, but I think that Schiller is more in tune with what developers and customers want than somebody like Eddie Q. And that's not a knock against Eddie Q. This is not his thing. And so, if if anyone, if there's if there's any chance of Apple hearing what developers and consumers want, it's through Schiller's organization, and, and that may be enough to get the ball rolling. Do you have any thoughts on this, Therica? I j- I feel like it's a it's a smart move to have Schiller as the public face of the app stores uh, because I'll, 
it's uh, it's the kind of figure that a lot of people can relate to. I think he has a lot of love in the development community. He has a lot of love, but I've seen people say that in many ways Schiller also represents the old Apple in the yeah. sense of App Store review, rejections, those kinds of stories. Like he, he was part of, you know, as he was already in charge of the developer relationships. And many of the of the decisions to exclude some types of apps in the past were done under Schiller's guidance. So he's loved by the community, but he's also already been responsible for some, uh, you know, arguable decisions uh, with the app review uh, of, the, of the app store. So in, in a way, this is nice because, you know, he's a public face of Apple, is loved by, by, you know, Apple fans because, you know, he goes on to... John Gruber, for example, he's been very active on Twitter. Uh, it's the kind of figure that you want, you know, to you, you feel a connection as a developer. But also, you know, is as the developer guy already at the company. Uh, he has made, or you know, his team has made decisions that a lot of developers didn't like. So maybe it is time for a change or maybe things will stay the same, but, you know, it'll just be a public face. So now people can have someone to blame officially. I don't know. Well, I, I guess uh, time will tell. By next WWDC, I think if we don't see any major change uh, for the Mac App Store, absolutely, and for the iOS App Store in terms of what developers can do to better monetize their apps and the iPad platform especially, I think we'll have to be concerned if we don't get any major change by next June. Uh, if we do get changes, then we'll know why this promotion was you know, announced to get ball rolling, to get Schiller, who's the developer guy, to apply all the changes and to kind of change the culture inside Apple. If we don't see any changes, then it's just you know marketing, basically. I am personally expecting a lot of developer changes in 10, like Me there too. were in 8. I think we're going to have a similar kind of WWDC. That That's what I'm leaning on right now. To me, it just feels like that they held some features off because the next one is 10. And for 10, it feels like you have to have some big stuff. Yeah. Um, and 9 didn't have an awful lot in it, looking back, really. Um, so I, I'm, I'm excited to see WWDC. And I'm looking forward to maybe in about two or three months when we start really talking about it seriously. So, take a break, and then we have uh, probably the best app release this year uh, to talk about. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. You can start booting your own website today at squarespace.com and use the offer code WORLD at checkout. You'll get 10% off if you do Squarespace, where you can build it beautiful. With Squarespace, you're able to put together a website that looks fantastic with all their professional, beautiful designs, their fantastic templates, all of their great functionality, regardless of how much you know about how to code a website. It doesn't matter what your skill level is. With Squarespace, you'll be able to put something fantastic together because all of their tools are super easy to use. They're really intuitive. You get full control on making a site look the way that you imagine it in your brain. Squarespace has total incredible stuff. It's all state-of-the-art technology. And they use all of this to power your site and ensure security and stability at all times, which is why they are trusted by millions of people around the world. Squarespace back all of this up with 24-7 support with live chat and email. They are there. They are on hand to help you with whatever you need whenever you need it. They also have their commerce platform. This is something that we use 
at Relay FM to sell stuff at our store. Um, it's something that our, you know, when we talk about our membership and say that people get a discount on Relay FM merchandise, that store is powered by Squarespace. They have things like discount codes and offer codes that we can give to people, right? So we can do all of that stuff. It is a very full-featured, robust commerce platform that allows anybody to add a store to their site. They have rock-solid, fast hosting. They have their dev platform. So if you do know how to do all this web stuff, you can go in there and tinker around. I know that that's something that many of our uh, friends have used that use Squarespace. They can go in and just add in some little things, just tweak some stuff, but they don't have to worry about all of the other things that go into managing and maintaining a site and everything that goes on underneath it. If you sign up for a year, you'll get yourself a free domain name so you can give your new Squarespace site whatever you want it to be called. Squarespace plans start at just $8 a month and you can sign up for a free trial today with no credit card required. Start building your website straight away by going to squarespace.com. Then when you fall in love with it and decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure that you use the offer code WORLD at checkout. You'll get 10% off your first purchase if you do and also show your support for this show. Thank you so much to Squarespace for sponsoring this week's episode of Connected, helping out at Relay FM, and helping us build it beautiful with Squarespace. Thank you so much. All right, so a couple of days ago, Federico <laughs> sends me a message on Slack, and he's like, somebody's made a coloring app. <laughs> and he's like, and I have a code for you. And I spent about three hours that day using a new app called Pigment. Um, Pigment is made by, what's the developer's name? Pixite. Pixite. Yeah, they make a bunch of apps. Like, I'm yeah. familiar with them, but it's not stuff that I've used personally. It tends to be like artistry and designy and, and that kind of stuff, right? That's the kind of world that they fit into. And, and speaking of Dropbox and Carousel, they also make an app called Unbound to manage photos from your Dropbox. Oh, we spoke about that a bunch of times. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a nice app. Yeah, so they're a great little development house and they have created the app that was needed on the iPad yeah. Pro, yes. which is a truly good coloring app. So Federico wrote a great review, uh, which I did a lot of fact-checking for for him, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh, just to make sure that we got everything right about uh, what I call grown-up coloring, because I don't like the connotations of adult coloring. Um, and I'm, I'm not kidding. I think I've probably spent about 10 hours in this app over the last three or four days. Wow. <laughs> I am in love with it. I'm in love with it. It has some improvements that are needed, but... It is everything that I wanted from a coloring app on the iPad. It's as good as an experience as you would want. So a quick rundown of what the app has. Um, It's a subscription model, which I really like. You pay monthly or yearly. I paid like £18 for the year and you get access to a ton of books and inside, like, so they're like themes and inside there is an amount of pages and like that you can color in. Um, and you can color them multiple times, right? So you can just keep starting them fresh over and over again if you like. But the subscription model kind of says that you're going to get new books and new uh, artwork to color in over the time. And I think that's kind of cool. I like that as a subscription model. Like, it's £18 is not a lot of money, like especially when you look at what these coloring books actually cost, the physical ones. Um, I think it's great. And you can just what you can't do with the coloring books that you buy is do the colors again, right? Because you color them in and they're done. But with this, you can do the same uh, same patterns over and over again. Um, 
there's a ton of color choices. There are a ton of tool choices. There's like different types of tools and the way that they are produced. Like you can have like pencil looking, you can have pen looking, you can create gradients and stuff like that, which is really cool. It, the one issue that I have with this app um, is say you've chosen a color, you you have like a like a shade slider so you can make it darker or lighter. So I did this. I had a blue. I wanted to make the blue lighter and I dragged it on. And then I left the app to do something, came back, and that color choice was not saved. Yeah. So yeah. I couldn't recreate that color again and I wasn't finished. And that is a big thing that I don't like about this application. Um, there are a couple of ways you could fix it. Like, for example, they could have a color picker. So you could very easily just say, I want that color again. But the main one, the easiest way is when I leave the app, don't reset the color. Like you just need to save it. Just save the color. Because most likely, I will the way that I color anyway, and I assume a lot of people will like this, is I color each element in a specific color that I want to color at that time. Like if I've chosen a blue and then changed the blue and I want to color in these four different things, I don't color in one, then change my color, do something else and go back to it. But some people do. So I think that to, to, to really round this off, they need to one, observe my color choice if I leave the app and come back. And two, add a color picker. Because... When you're coloring with pens, you have all of the pe- you have all of the colors. They are physically there, so you won't you know you can just say this is the color and I'll just put it to the side and I'll pick it up again in a minute when I need it. But if you can change the colors, which you can, then you need to have the ability for people to easily recall. Another thing they could do is have like a a way to save those tones to like a personal palette of colors. But they need to 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 think about that because that is a disruptive thing that I didn't like um, about the application. So what it did was it stopped me from changing the colors very often. I now just, I have lots and lots of colors and shades, but now I just stick to the ones that are there. I don't change them. Um, But then sometimes still, like I use a brown and I have to like try four different ones to find the exact shade to bring it back again. So they have some some work they can do there to kind of tighten that up. I also found like palm rejection isn't 100% accurate all of the time um, and they don't have an eraser. So if you accidentally hit something, you have to go, the way the only way that I found you can do it is to go and select the white color pen and color back over it. They should have an eraser. They have an undo, which is really good, right? I love that there's an undo there. But sometimes I've like made a mark on a page somewhere and don't realize it until later on. So then I have to go back and get rid of it. And just having an eraser tool right in the top toolbar would be really good for that. So I could um, just get rid of those parts. But uh, there's a few things that the app does, which is really interesting. So you can tap inside of a white area and it puts a dotted line around the area so you can color freely and it doesn't go over the black lines. Mm-hmm. I don't work like that, right? I'm a realist. Uh, I color and just do it the way that I want to do it and just go up to the lines and treat it like it's a book. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, the good thing though is if I do go over the lines, I can easily undo or get rid of it, which you can't with the book. But it is good that you can do that. So it's good for kids, I guess. So you can say just tap that and then just go crazy and it won't go over the lines. Um I just, you know, I love this app. I love that I can sit with my iPad. I can have Twitter in split view or Slack and I can sit in color. Um, I've been using it when I've been editing. Um, I was just chilling out yesterday evening. I was watching like some TV and I was coloring at the same time. Like it was just on in the background. This app is fantastic. Being able to like freely pan and zoom around and rotate the images is excellent. Um, 
this is say it's not perfect but i i didn't expect anybody would be able to make a perfect app like this and it doesn't because there's always little things that you're gonna have to think about that unless you're like really deep in this you maybe wouldn't notice um and you know it doesn't recreate the feeling of pens on paper like nothing ever will like we went over this when the pencil came out originally but what whilst it doesn't give you the exact feeling you get things with this that you can't get with paper and pen you know like the ability to zoom the ability to undo the ability to have kind of in theory infinite color choices and infinite amounts of of uh, drawings to color all in this one device i absolutely love this app and i'm gonna put in the show notes like i tweeted like a few different things that i colored with it um and i'll put those in the show notes so people can kind of get an example of what they look like and you can get really creative with it you can kind of do blending and shading and you can change the opacity of stuff and it i'm so happy i'm so happy that this app exists i'm so happy that it's as quick I was thinking this was going to take ages before somebody came out with something really good for this. Um, and it is kind of, for me, this is the perfect example of an app that only really works on the iPad Pro with the pencil. It's like you could use this on other apps, but this is like on other devices and you could use your finger and stuff like that, especially with like the tapping in an area and then you could use your finger to color, but it's just not going to be as good an experience. This is a true iPad Pro application. Yeah, I think it, it, you know, I, I was joking about <laughs> having a, a grown-up coloring, as you call it, app mm-hmm. for the iPad Pro a few weeks ago. And now that it's available, it just totally makes sense, you know? Um, like, this is pens- the thing, like, you were joking about it, but, like, me and you, like, I was talking seriously to you about no, it. No, no, I, I was half joking about yeah. it. <laughs> I think it makes total sense, you know? And since you, I mean, you you... As I write, as I wrote in the article, you got me uh, interested in in this uh, coloring book trend, and I got a few people on Twitter saying, "Well, it's been around forever. Uh, you know, I used to I used to color twenty years ago. I was I guess what uh, what's happening here is Look, saying that you used to do coloring in when you were a kid is not no, an no, no. argument. I, I, I got people saying I, uh, I I've had uh, adult coloring books for for like a decade. They have existed uh, for a very long time, but it yeah. is a trend right now. Exactly, exactly. Like you go into any bookstore in I did it in the UK and in the US now. They have these massive stands of coloring books. I have a Star Wars yeah. coloring book that I picked up in New of York. Of course you do. Of course you do. I think it's really clever of these guys to do a subscription. Uh, you know, to give you access to new books. And I feel like it, we're going to see a lot of these apps in the near future. Uh, so this is the first one. And by doing a subscription, you ensure that people start paying you and they stick with your app, which is a clever strategy, I yep. would say. Uh, I'm very pleased that you're that you're happy, Mike. And I think you've done a really good critique of what's missing and what needs to be improved. Yeah, every now and then there is an app that comes along that is tailor-made for one of the three of us, and this one is my one. You should should be an app reviewer more often. There's very rarely things that push my buttons like this, though. Do you do you have another secret wish for an app next year, which is which is which is not mailbox, Mike? I'm gonna have to think. What's on that. the other? What's the app of your dreams, Michael? Hmm. Let me get back to you on that one. I don't okay. know what it is. Okay. I, I, no, do you know what it is? Logic, really good 
logic. Logic. I, I know that there are apps that exist, but I want logic because that's the one. You that want I logic on on the iPad yeah. Pro. That's my. Okay. That is my next dream app because that I makes would. Sense. Maybe not immediately, but I would be more inclined to trust that it would be able to do what I wanted it to do because I know it, and it hopefully would be made by the same people that use the make the app that I use every single day. So that's mm-hmm. that's yeah, what I theory, would really like yeah. to see. All right, makes sense. Yeah. So the last thing that I wanted to talk about today was Slack. So they had an event um, a couple of days ago where they announced that they are creating like an, an app store for their integrations and they're partnering with some venture capital firms to create an $80 million fund to invest in companies that want to, to create new Slack integrations. Reminded me very much of the iFund. Do you remember the iFund? Oh, yeah. I do remember the iPhone, <laughs> yeah. So this was a... Such a um, long time ago. Who who was it that was part of that? Um, uh, some game company. No, 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 like the company that back, that actually put the money together. It was... I'm looking it up right now. Oh, yeah, it was Kleiner Perkins. Kleiner Perkins created a fund of $100 million, which was then increased later on. Um, it's $200 million now. Yeah. And Gmoco was and, part yeah, of the they, iPhone. They got that's what I remember. Yes, that's a good call. They were yeah. the biggest. So the portfolio companies of the iFund are Path, Shopkick, Ngmoco, Booyah, and Criticism. Path. So all top drawer applications there that came through oh. as part of the iPhone. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow, look at Michael all Do you use any stuff. apps created by these companies? No. Oh, don't you use Booyah? I, what is Booyah? <laughs> or Path? I have no idea. Let's look it All up. Right. Booyah was... Uh, a, Booyah uh, was here you go. S- this, is, this is the key. Booyah was a social was, web and mobile okay. entertainment company. They created MyTown. Uh, and Jumoko, is uh, it? Yeah. IAP. Path is still what around. Is Critter- I think. What's Critters? Probably a similar thing. It's mobile application performance management. What does it even mean? Oh, it performs your management of mobile. <laughs> mobile application performance management, APM solution. Perfect. That's okay. what I was looking what for. It's, what's an APM? Uh, well, you know, it's oh, an advanced performance metric. Don't you want to advance your performance, sure. Mike? Always, every single day. <laughs> um, so Slack has created their own one of these. <laughs> And basically what they're looking to do now is to encourage more and more companies to plug into Slack, which is very smart. Um, I was reading a thing on uh, The Verge about this, and it's something that I didn't know, that the majority of Slack integrations that exist or have existed were written by the Slack team, not by the companies. Oh, really? Yeah, because <laughs> they knew how important it would be. And they were just creating the applications, so they were creating the integrations that they wanted when they were using Slack. So they were like, this would be really good if this worked, like Twitter or Dropbox. So they built them themselves. But now they're trying to encourage companies and web services to create their own integrations Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. that they can, I don't know, like so that they can further the platform, they can increase the platform, they can strengthen it, they can basically continue to make it a place where all of your information flows into so this was interesting to me because I saw a tweet from you, Federico, a couple of days ago uh-huh. where you said that you now have the Max Stories tips inbox, yeah. which I assume is like, you know, what people send you stuff to, yeah. goes directly into Slack and that you're trying yeah. to move more and more stuff into it. So what does that look like for you right now? Uh, it's basically, I, I wanted a way to 
to have so we have a few channels in slack where we just keep notifications and like external feeds so we have a, a channel where we aggregate news like uh, tech meme uh, highlights from rss so anyone can go in there and see what's going on at a glance you know mm-hmm. just because we're already spending a lot of time in slack it makes sense to have a few dedicated areas when people can go and check out other things and I thought it'd be nice instead of having to manually redirect every single email that I get uh, to just set up a, a, a rule to feed everything into Slack so anyone can go in there. It's like a shared inbox slash stream, but with the benefits of you know Slack. So notifications, uh, people can comment on emails. And because we pay for Slack we have the native email forwarding system. So we get nice previews for messages. We can click on them and it shows you uh, like an HTML preview of the message as it will look on the, on the web. Oh, and nice. people can, yeah, people can comment on, on individual messages. So you can use Slack search, you can mention other people. So it's, it's really trying to replace email for us. And of course I do, I still do use email a lot. You know, people get in touch with me personally. Um, Club Maxoris members get in touch with me personally for you know club related issues, mm-hmm. and but we're we're using Slack uh, all the time and and I would say increasingly more um, because of these integrations. So to give you an example, um, uh, I have switched or at least I'm trying to use uh, this new system to put together all the. Uh, individual sections that make up our MacSource Weekly newsletter. And this, the service is called Airtable. And it's like a, a modern take on the spreadsheet and database combined. Oh, yeah. And so I've set up this base, it's called. And me and Graham, we collaborate on these different records. So there's a record for MacSource's favorite. There's another for interesting links and another one for the home screen. And every time I comment on a record, uh, which is, you know, the, the one that says, is the issue finalized? Are you done? And I say, yeah, I'm done. And it sends a notification to, to the Slack channel. So Graham knows that it's all done and he can start put together, you know, he can start working on the MailChimp uh, campaign. And Did you say MailChimp? Yes, yeah. MailChimp. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's all these integrations. Uh that I have, I'm using Slackbot every once in a while to just like pin some items or a link because I don't know where else to put it, you know? Um, it's really more than a chat room for us. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a glorified chat room with lots of integrations. And the, the, I think the key aspect is because of these integrations, we can move away from an, the old model of, Every one of us has its own silo of information, yep. whether yep. it's email or a database. Instead, it's all collaborative and it's all in the cloud and it's all based on notifications and alerts. And it's all coming together in a, in a chat stream, you know, uh, with, the, with the model that we're used to. Uh, but we see more. So it's not just that we're chatting with, you know, together, but we also see this information from files, from Twitter, from RSS, but it looks like a chat room. So it's, it's a it's, hub. It's a hub with a, with a chronological sense of the traditional chat rooms, if it makes sense. 
uh, and and it's working out pretty well so far for us. And it's it's still this is the problem. It's still changing a lot. So Slack is still a young product, and they're still changing quite a few things. And every week there's a new feature, so it can be a little overwhelming if you don't follow you know Slack updates. Just last night, for example, they launched uh, Do Not Disturb mode, which is pretty awesome, and it's the kind of feature that you don't get with email. You know, uh, you can only say your device to do not disturb not your email client um so it's 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 a so like i would say if i were an investor <laughs> it's one of the companies i would put money in personally yeah i, I, yeah. I would put know? all of my money <laughs> in yeah. slack right now i think they're doing a lot of clever things and the the new app directory uh there's a lot of crazy things i'm trying this uh birdly Office management app, which is basically a bot that for you... all the offices you have to manage. <laughs> no, no, I got one <laughs> office. Uh, the category is office management, but it's basically this bot that you have a direct message with on Slack. You take a picture of a receipt or a PDF, and you send it to 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 the bot. To it's called the Bill bot. So you send the picture to Bill. And Bill does OCR for you, and it turns the photo or the PDF into a spreadsheet in Google Sheets, which is crazy. I, I almost didn't believe it. I don't know if there's any human involved. I think there must be some human part involved, like Facebook, uh, the M messenger. It's a hybrid of AI and humans. But anyway, I sent a couple of receipts to Bill on Slack, and I do have a spreadsheet already filled out with all uh, my my you know the title of the of the expense, and it even did conversion from USD to euros. So you you have mm. this is just an example of the you know these crazy integrations. Uh, already we have made a, a custom bot just for me. Uh, it's called uh, Tichi Do. Uh, so basically, what Tichi Do does is uh, Ali, which is our web developer, he uh, he set up a system that I can, whenever I say Tichi Do in Slack, it sends the text of the message. So if I say Tichi Do call Mike, it sends a me- an email message uh, with the subject call Mike to my to do inbox. Uh, therefore, the title, Tichi Do. Uh, it sends an email message to my uh, to do email inbox, you know, the one configured with oh. it. So a few seconds later, I oh. have uh, a task in my to do inbox called. No. Uh, no, no, no. There is no world in which I want people adding things no, to my to do list. <laughs> like, I just. Hold oh, on, no it way. makes sense. If everyone on, is on the same page, don't think. <sighs> so, don't think about. Don't think about the relay Slack, which is like 50 people. So, we're seven people here, and they're all extremely religious no and disciplined Still. about sending me things. It's just. A, I, there is just a thing that. Look, I know I could set it up, right? That it would be. Only just when people ask me to do things, which they would ask me to do and I would add it myself, there is just a thing in my brain where I am horrified at the thought of things going into OmniFocus that I haven't put there. There's just something about that to me where it's like, yep. I can't I can't deal with that. By Stephen Presence. <laughs> What's worse, the idea of people sending you stuff to do or forgetting to do the stuff that people ask you to do? And for me, because I'm the type of person... Oh, look. 
don't get me wrong, buddy. Like, I understand it. Like, it is very clever for that reason, right? You're never going to forget something. But I can't just imagine yeah, that I happening know, I to know. me. I forget a lot of things. And this is just another example of using Slack. You know, I'm talking to someone and I realize, yeah, I got to do this. I can just append Tichy Do to my, to my message and it gets saved. And plus, I, I love the way that it's called. You know, Tichy Do, it sounds and looks fun when you type it. Um, so yeah, we're, we're using Slack a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm really a fan of Slack and I feel safe to, to say I'm considering the idea of a club story Slack. You know, um, I've been reading on these open Slack communities, uh, where there's like a thousand, a thousand people, 2000 people signed up and I'm, I'm Considering the idea, and I, I, I initially I thought that was crazy, uh, but last week I was reading this article by uh, Renz, you know, the blog Renz in Repose, mm-hmm. uh, and he, he was talking about using Slack as a, as, a, as a community with a lot of users and like hundreds of channels, and I, th- and I think that's what I want to do, uh, but we'll see. Uh, I'm a big fan of Slack. Again, if I were a VC... I would put all my money in this. Uh, well, probably not all my money, but you know, good money in in Slack. Yeah, I think I think what's so powerful about it, and it, I mean, there is all the stuff you're talking about where you can automate things and have things going in and out to all these various services, and that's really powerful. But like, I, I know for for me, you know, basically working remotely with a bunch of other people, it's like it it has replaced email in a way that I did not anticipate. And especially if you pay for Slack and you get the history and the search like we do for Relay, you you have all that stuff. You know that it's safe and sound in there. And so for me, email has become a tool for external work and not really internal work. Like, like I only email Mike if it's something like I really want to make sure that he sees or it's, you know, time zone differences and I'm already in my inbox and I'm going to send him something. But for the most part, like our business takes place within the tool and utility of slack and as that becomes more and more true for more and more companies they're going to continue to be successful i mean i think there's the argument that their pay tier is too expensive that there that there's it's sort of a really big jump from free to the pay tier and i'd like to see them maybe figure that out but that even that said uh, their growth has just been unbelievable and i think this new fund this new push for integration is only going to continue to to let them just take off they are, I think you said, Stephen, did you say this a couple of days ago? It's like, they're becoming so important now, I'm now scared of what they might do. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like, it goes don't back to the conversation up, we, had, we had earlier. Yeah, like I, I don't want them to blow it. And I, I don't think they will. I think so far, uh, if anything, they they have a tendency to, to push things out and it's sort of like hard to keep up. Um, but I think that that, uh, other than that... Um, I think it's. I think they're. They have a proven track record so far. So we'll see. We love you, Slack. Yeah, we do. (laughs) 
you want to find our show notes for this week's episode, head on over to relay.fm slash connected slash 70. You've got all our lovely show notes there, some contact information if you want to become a Relay FM member and support this show. There's also some buttons on the page there where you can click that. Thank you so much to everybody that has done that over the last couple of weeks. We really, really appreciate it. If you want to find all of us online, you can go to maxstories.net to find Federico's work. You can go to 512pixels.net to find Stevens, and we're all on Twitter. Steven is at ismh. On Twitter, Federico is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I, and I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. We all hope that you have uh, a lovely Christmas, if that's what you celebrate, or a lovely holiday season, uh, if you celebrate something else, because uh, I'm not sure about the dates of when things are, because I am a terrible human being. But I would like to wish you all a very happy holidays, um, no matter what it is that you celebrate, even if it's just you celebrate that we don't have an episode next week. Until then... Thank you so much for listening. Say goodbye, everybody. Arrivederci e buone feste. Oh, you fancy. Adios. Do you have the... And it's uh, Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. <laughs> <laughs> well, but Navidad is Christmas. Uh, it's only one Feliz, Feliz. Don't make something. this more complicated than it already has to be. <laughs> Sorry.